The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Plenty of time to bet on that Birds game. And brought to you by By Nature Pet Foods, home of the Soft Shit Award. Get 20% off your first By Nature order at Chewy and Amazon with promo code 20RTRS. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding, get free tunes for the life of your new snowboard when you purchase a brand new snowboard from Kinetic. On the show today, the Sixers beat the Bulls and now have won six straight. They have the best offense in the league still. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference still. And the Sixers decide to start fining again for missing games, practices, and film sessions. Before we get going... Our new shirts that are available are available for only three more days. War, what what is it good for? And I'm not a babysitter. They will be on pre-order for just three more days. Go to uh, rightsrickysanchez.com and go to the T-shirt tab to get them. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is flying high off his extra hour of sleep, Mr. Daylight Saving himself. That is Mike Levin. Hmm. I can't hear Mike. Mike is muted. I was muted. Uh, I love saving that. (laughs) I'm such a fan of it. I'm such a fan of understanding why it exists still as as a farmer in... 1887 i yeah. depend on it uh every year twice a year let's switch those clocks let's do as it I've, as i've gotten older when i was younger i didn't notice a difference in my body now i notice it every time and i'm a fan of i don't know what the normal one is but whatever this one is my body agrees with more maybe because i get up earlier but whatever this one is i don't know if this is the fake one or the real one whatever this one is before we get going at CJ sent me a tweet right before the pod from Callie Rivers. Is that her name? Which is Seth's wife slash Doc's daughter. CJ, would you like to put that tweet up on the screen? Can you do that? Look at him hustling. I mean, as if as if I wasn't going to ask him to do it. Anyway, the tweet from Callie Curry. Unbelievable, CJ. What a failure on your part. The tweet from Callie Curry says... I need another good basketball pod to listen to. Not an overly entertaining pod with terrible takes, but like a good rational pod. Well, definitely not Yeah, either of those. <laughs> what would you rather be? A good rational pod or a overly, overly entertaining 
with terrible takes. Who wants to be entertained? I Um, think I at least, whether it's a intent or whatever, I think I try to be a good rational pod. mm -hmm. I think that's the vibe I'm going for. And I think occasionally my misery is entertaining, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't stem from a place of trying to be entertaining. As you know, as, as everyone knows when I'm, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Sixers third stringers in a preseason game. No one's trying to be entertained here. I'm trying to be overly rational. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say if you are making a podcast, isn't the goal to entertain people? Isn't that why they listen? Isn't that like the nah, whole thing? I don't, I don't understand. Could be anything. Uh, all right, here we go. So Sixers have won six in a row. They are still number one in offensive rating in the NBA by a, a good bit at this point. They are number four in net rating. Mike, I ask you, as every time I've tweeted about their number one offensive rating or their net rating, all I hear back is it's only been X number of games and they've played this schedule and so on and so forth. At what point is this not a fluke anymore? And is this like that they're good? Because it seems to me they've beaten some good teams now. This, that was a, a test last night, especially in the fourth quarter. I think they might be good. I mean, how many more games do we need? Uh, I might need until the second round of the playoffs. Um, <laughs> That's a not I think bad is the, point. I think is the honest answer. Like, I, <laughs> I can get sucked into fucking anything. Like, I really could. I can get hoodwinked into thinking this team is good and thinking this is, this is it. They are certainly deeper than any Sixers team in uh, a long time. Not, not one I can recall. Um, to be able to withstand not only losing Ben, obviously, but Tobias and now Danny and then Matisse and Isaiah Joe, like the fact that they can play a good eight-man rotation. We'll talk about B-Ball Paul. We will. We'll talk about B-Ball Paul. Is, is, a testament to, is a testament to the level of depth that this team now has um, and didn't have in past years when you're depending on guys that – uh, couldn't either dribble or shoot or play enough defense to hang on the court. And so this team does, and they've, they have beaten some good teams. I think Chicago's a good team. To beat them twice shorthanded home and home is really impressive. Um, you know, Portland, without anybody there, is a good win. Um, rational some, take, Mike. Good rational some, take. All, all rational takes. They've had some good wins. But I, I just, I don't know how to not in the back of my mind or even in the front of my mind think this is a Lucy and the football thing until we get to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think team as constructed this way without that perimeter guy or whatever is a threat to make the finals or anything. But I do think that it is meaningful where after 10 games, you're eight and two. It doesn't seem fluky. You know, the shooting is hot, but like, they have, a, as you've mentioned in other pods, they have a bunch of good shooters. They and if, when you have a bunch of good shooters, some of them are going to be hot sometimes, right? And like mm-hmm. Danny Green, who is a good shooter, was like cold at the beginning of the year. You know, Seth has been hot. I haven't looked at Furkan's season stats, so I don't know if overall his numbers indicate that he's hot. But I mean... Well, seven of nine last night will definitely put those night. numbers up. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, all right. I don't we'll know. I, I think it's a... I think it's a uh, it is interesting to think about, like when when is something real? Like I'm sure Milwaukee fans last season 
after failing in the playoffs a number of times, as they were having a good but not excellent regular season, we're doing the like, how? What are we doing? Is this is yeah. this real? It's hard to prove until it's until it's in, into the playoffs and stuff. And I, while I agree with you that they're not a threat to you know on paper make the finals with this team if nothing happens, um, it's I, I'm sure Hawks fans would have said that they weren't a threat to make the conference finals until it happened. Like thing, things don't happen until they happen, and if they're playing well. Well, you've and already talked yourself into it. It took I am, two man. minutes. I, look, I, said it. I, said, I said I could. I said I could do it anything. Um, but the fact that the these are guys that clearly really enjoy playing with each other, the Doc Rivers video uh, of his thousandth win in the locker room with Joel looking genuinely happier than I've ever seen him ever doing anything um, is different. So I don't know. I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't fucking know. It's, it's exciting when they win. I, I'm... After being such a big picture guy for the, the whole run of this podcast and before that, um, it's we've failed in the playoffs so many times. There's been so much drama. There's been so much bullshit. Now it's just like they have a bunch of players on the team that I like, that I like rooting for, that seem to have a good time playing with each other. It's still Joel. Uh, it's a lot of young guys. They've done great work on the margins. They've drafted well, homegrown guys. And they're winning, and it's fun, and I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy that, and and try to, you know, know that disaster and heartbreak awaits in the distance, but that's life, and we're having a good time now, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, my point would be for this as to why I'm enjoying this is the fact that I do not think that they are a title contender as currently constructed, and they are doing it the way that they're doing it somehow makes it more enjoyable to me because I'm not. I'm not watching for anything that I'm like everything is a delight. Every success from, you know, Shake Melton or Tyrese Maxey or Furkan Korkmaz to this or Bebal Paul is a is a delight. So mm. Uh, before we get into the game, the Apple Podcast five-star review, we are at 2,946 five-star ratings. When we get to 3,000, I read all of them. This comes from Goodbye X Apathy, a Sixers podcast with the most obscure Sixers references for the best Sixers fans. I mostly came to leave a five-star review to reach their goal of 3,000 to force Spike to read them on a future pod. I'm a relatively new Ricky listener, but my husband is a diehard Ricky fan from the early process years. The theme song caught my attention one morning when he was listening, and I've been hooked ever since. I mostly listen for the detailed Sixers analysis and to mm. learn about third-string bench players I've never heard of before listening. Wow. Thanks. This review was left during the podcast yep. five minutes ago. Yep. Thanks to the Ricky pod, I have obscure Sixer statistics that I don't know how to use in my everyday life, but somehow find a way to bring up at parties. I also listen for the jigsaws and other non-basketball nonsense. I'm happy now that I can say I'm down with TTP. All right. So the big thing last night is the starting of Shake and B-Ball Paul at the four. I mean, B-Ball Paul at the four was... The, the thing that you notice when B-Ball Paul is on the floor, especially with a lineup that we've mentioned before is kind of slow, is his activity yeah. rebounding and defensively, even though he fucks up sometimes because he's kind of like a, you know, little all over the place. Mm -hmm. He does have like that early, if there was an offensive rebound early, where he got, I think he got fouled right afterwards. And then there was the putback in the first quarter as well mm -hmm. that 
Tobias, better player, overall player, all those kinds of things. But there's nobody else on the Sixers who would have done that, you know? And he provides like this chaos that I think helped them. For sure. I mean, there's something he said for being long and mobile and having a really strong motor. And he just goes. Um, And it's unconventional and it's delightfully strange. And sometimes he is dribbling too much for some reason uh, where it would have worked in the G league as a starter against a good team doesn't work as well. Um, You know, DeMar like slapping the ball away from whatever, but Mm -hmm. he goes and he plays hard and and he's not a bad defensive player. Obviously he gets a ton of blocks and steals just from being there and being long, but he also like positions his body relatively well. Like he bit on a bunch of DeRozan pump fakes, but who hasn't? Um, He's, he was good. Like he was pretty good. Like, he needs to become a, especially if he's playing the four, which, you know, he's sort of on the, and I hesitate to even bring uh, this name up because it's going to be bad news, but on the Jonah Bolden track of like, could have been a backup five, but like didn't trust him to protect the rim. Honestly, Rashawn was like that too for a while um, where they're like, okay, it's playing with the four because he, his being on the court is valuable as a rotation piece, but can't quite protect the rim and anchor a defense just yet, uh, at least to the coaching staff's eyes. So it would be nice to like put him on the floor as just like an energy guy, as a length guy, and let him do some stuff. But if he's going to be that guy as a four, then he really needs to be able to shoot. Like he really needs to have some jump shot. And he shot like 40% or something in the G League. The jumper looks still weird. It's better than when he got drafted, but it's still weird. So if he's going to be, if he's going to profile as like an energy four going forward in spot minutes, I think fine, become a better shooter. I still like the idea of him being a, a five um, because of his ability to protect the rim and roll and not be a great shooter. Um, I think but it, and, there was a couple. But, it, but if he can shoot, I mean, that 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 five thing becomes even more yeah, important and of helpful. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's just a nice player to have on the court. Like, he wasn't perfect last night. There's, there's good things. Like, with him and Drummond on the court together, it's a little weird because there was one time when Paul was open in the corner and Drummond, like, went to kick to him, but B-Ball was already rolling to the basket because that's what he does best as just like an offensive rebounder guy. And so it's a little bit uncomfortable and there's going to be mistakes, but it's it's nice. It's nice that he's getting minutes. These are the kind of things, obviously injuries and in another like COVID effect, affected season, there's going to be these kinds of things where, where unexpected guys have to step up. It happened last year as well. Um, it's nice to see him getting minutes and, and hopefully earning docs. I don't know about he's earning his trust now. I think he's not going to him still that much. But like every little bit, every little offensive rebounds, it's not a thing other guys, like you said, it's not a thing other guys on the team do. They are not a they are not a fast, dynamic team outside of Maxi. Um, and Embiid looked great last night and looked, I think, the most spry he's looked and and had some bounce and, and protected the rim really nicely and still affects so many shots. Um, but as far as just like an energy guy, Matisse does it on one level, but doesn't that doesn't really carry over to the kinds of things B-Ball Paul does and. Uh, it's nice to have him out there, and I and it, and it will be nice if something happens in the playoffs, or matchup wise, or injury wise, that he can he can fill in because he affects the game in a positive way. You did the thing that you called him B Ball as his first name. Every yeah. oh, once yeah. in a, every once in a while, a, an announcer will refer to him as Reed, and I don't know who they're talking about because yeah. I forget that his last name isn't Paul. Yes, I think his name is his first name is B Ball. His last uh, name except is basketball. B Ball is a nickname for basketball. Right. Um. <laughs> And his last name is his first name. 
So at DraftKings, the Sixers a week ago were plus 2,200 to win the title. They are now plus 1,800. Um, so the the hot start has changed their odds. And actually, conference, I haven't looked at it, they're up to plus 750, which I think they have been floating around. Um, so hasn't changed the conference odds all that much, even with the Nets not looking great and mm-hmm. the, the Bucks struggling, but the yeah. title odds have gotten shorter. So. Bucks losing a... A, a big lead to the Knicks. Yeah. Yes. I, I I fell asleep during that game, and I I woke up to a text message from a guy I work with, Brandon Tierney at CBS Sports Radio, about the win, and I was stunned that the Knicks had won that game. Um, the Bucks were up like twenty points in the first quarter, the first yeah. half. Still, still un- not missing a lot of guys. In Milwaukee, yeah. But. Yeah. Um, NBA uh, is uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Right now, if you are a new customer, bet five bucks on any NBA team to win their game. If they do, you win two hundred bucks in free bets. Also, same game parlays. Do same game parlays with the NFL as well. Fun same game parlays. Uh, DraftKings safe, secure, reliable. They put our stupid bets up there as well, which I love them. So thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook. Deposit, money goes right in. Withdraw, money comes right out. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS. Bet five bucks on any NBA team to win their game and win 200 bucks in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code RTRS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. Limit one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I think we always put Embiid as like one of the last things that we mention unless there's a problem. I feel like we should mention him at the top because he was so good. Mm -hmm. And defensively, especially in that first quarter when he was struggling sort of offensively, he uh, not looking the way he would look later in the game, which was confident and in rhythm. He made up for it defensively, which was like a really good sign and uh, had a couple of blocks and looked particularly bouncy, as you said, in the first quarter and can really change the game. Just shows how good he is on defense, you know? Yeah, he's incredible. Um, Defensively, just like impacted the game, really affected shots and guys Mm -hmm. were coming in. There were a couple of blocks he didn't get, but clearly like impacted uh, how they were released and where they were released and all. Usovic, man, I don't know what's going on with him. He looks bad, like really, really terrible. Um, terrible i like feel get bad for him like i want i'm watching him I'm like i hope the shot goes in just because of, he deserves it like he's a good player and he's playing like shit um but he'll get there uh and bead just looked he looked like he was playing more downhill mm-hmm. you talk about that more like as a he was like a running back but it felt like he was downhill but also on balance while being yep. aggressive where he yep. wasn't just like throwing his body into someone and, and not having like his legs under him it felt like he was uh decisive and, and nobody won, especially after he had those early turnovers. Um, and the shot looks really good, the, especially for three. He was hit. He was four or five. He dribbled into a couple like wing threes. Looked and really then the last one. The last one was obviously awesome uh, yeah. where he was kind of double teamed. He's like, I'm just putting this up. Uh, he had a earlier in the game. It might have been his first three, first or second when he was feeling he was still feeling good. Shake Shake was dribbling the ball on the left on the left side. And Embiid was like calling for it as he was the trailer. Um, and it just felt like he had a really good handle on the shot. And he's obviously talked about the um, the ball being different, which is another kind of weird Embiid excuse, which he does. I mean, it's right. If the ball is different, it'll, it'll affect things. But we talk, we've talked about Embiid kind of like 
doing the injury excuse. This is not another. I think he just knows how good he is. And he's like, if I'm not good, then something is wrong. Like something has happened. And I'm reaching for excuses as to why that is. And he's right. But it also is like, you know, just figure it out. And he did. And uh, the shot looked really good. Um, Still, you know, sometimes he'll dribble off his leg. He almost punched Lonzo in the face. That was pretty funny. Uh, I liked watching him like explain to everyone individually what happened. It felt like the most like normal, yeah. normal thing. Like the NBA, some, some of these guys, when you're on the court, like this, this idea of like what a huddle is like, and this idea of what like they're talking about is like, is, is always like so, kind of far away and a little hard to be like, to know what it even is to assume what is happening there for that's like, Oh, it's like, it's just like my pickup game or whatever. It just feels like they're on, they're obviously on such a different playing field, but when they were just standing around waiting for this very long replay review to see if, I don't know if it was intentional or not. Uh, and Embiid was just talking to other players and being like, Hey, I know I was like this and I didn't see him and I didn't even know. And he was like, you okay? Like it was just like the most average guy thing I've ever seen in my life uh, on an NBA court. And that was nice. Um, but those, he still had a bunch of really lazy passes, like really, really lazy passes that are just dying to get picked off reading into like i don't know if it's a drummond thing but he's trying like behind the back passes he tried like a cross court behind the back pass that went off of vucevic's he was like he was in the post and he went to make a behind the back pass off the bounce to i think korkmaz in the in the opposite wing and it hit off vucevic's leg and went out of bounds luckily but then a couple other times he had picked off like he's just gotta there's a couple too many times he had shake underneath the basket where he like whipped it really quick and it hit off of Vucevic like there's just too many times when he's doing that and I just need the passes to be more on target whether that's like a regular kick out to Seth like it should be in the shooting pocket not at his legs um or or just like anything it's it's still it's still an issue like he's obviously improved as a as a passer he's obviously improved as a as a um distributor and and without Ben like that's more of his mindset but I just I need him to be more locked in and passing not like oh I'm disappointed that I'm not going to shoot this like I'm here's the ball someone yeah, he's just not – not everybody's great at everything, and he's not, like, a great passer. He's not particularly accurate. He doesn't see the court. He doesn't make the decision quickly. So when he tries to, like, do something fancy, I, mm-hmm. it, it almost hardly ever works. The, yeah. the biggest – obviously, this shot looked good, and the shot looked good for mid-range. When, he, when he's rolling, though – I think the biggest difference from him is that everything happens like quickly. Like when he wants to shoot it in that mid-range and he's facing up, there's not like a lot of other nonsense. He just sort of like move, shoot. And he is he's so good at that shot that when it's rolling, he doesn't dick around too much. And last night was the first night of the year that it seemed like he was in that groove where he looked like he did last year in terms of like the quick decision making offensively. Right? I agree. In, in the last few minutes, like obviously this this is a Sixers team that has in the past and also this season collapsed in the last six minutes of the game and stopped being able to get offense. There's been the run against Brooklyn. There was the run against even Detroit, I think had a run. Like there was been times over the course of this young season that like that's happened already. And it seemed like my solution to that is giving the ball to Maxi. Right. Is allowing him to run pick and rolls. I like when they do the double pick and roll where one of the big pops and one of the big rolls. I think that makes the defense scramble. I think that's a nice look. Um, but as much as these guys have, a lot, there's a lot of shooters in this team. There's guys that can handle the ball and make decisions. They're just not fast enough. We've talked about that enough. Like Shake, Seth, 
even Tobias sometimes, uh, Niang, Korkmaz, they're just not fast enough with the ball to get where they want. And when the defense tightens up, when the defense had a 10, I just want the ball in Maxi's hands. Like I want the I want him to be able to like get to the rim, to be able to like draw the defense. Whereas other guys, it seems like they're getting swallowed up by it. And maybe that's like the NBA, the basketball equivalent of like playing prevent defense where they're they're like a little bit on their heels and allowing it to happen because they have a lead and it's not as much important. And then it starts to like pile up like a snowball. But I thought in this game, it it was clear after they started struggling. Like you said, I thought they were getting Joe the ball where he could make quick decisions with the ball. If that was a get him in the middle of the court, kind of late in the shot clock where he could just go up with it. When, when he's just at the wing kind of like looking and like has the ball high in the air and is kind of like looking around and then the defense is closing in on him. It's just it just doesn't work that much. And if he's low, if he's really low, then you can then he can get that up fast enough. But I, I'd rather him in the middle of the court making quick decisions, making a quick shot. Yeah or deciding to drive like two dribbles and get fouled, any of that stuff. And I thought they did a good, pretty good job of it last night, but it's going to keep happening um, where the defense is going to take advantage of the fact that the Sixers just aren't fast enough unless they start giving Maxi the ball. And I would say, and you've mentioned that he should roll more. And I understand physically that rolling, you know, is a lot. And especially him who, who you know, there's a lot depending on him physically. But the more that they put him in you know, screens and, and picks with pick and roll with, uh, he doesn't roll, but pick and pop with Maxi. And now he's doing it with Korkmaz. Some I just, with all of the shooters on the team, I do think once in a while, if he just dove toward the rim, I mean, he never does. He does with, with Maxi or Korkmaz or, or Milton or, or even Curry, who's run some of that. If he would just dive toward the rim one out of five times, mm-hmm. The, the defense would respect it so much because he's so big and so dangerous. He doesn't have to catch an, an alley-oop or anything. He just needs to go every once in a while. You know? I wonder I wonder why he doesn't. I mean, sometimes there's, you don't do things because it's just like not naturally in your game. But yeah. I wonder if, if that becomes a point of emphasis from the coaching staff. Like, it'd be nice to see him just get a lob here and there. It'd be nice to see him just get a roll. And then even do the, like, I don't know, like, Draymond, Larry Nance type thing where he's just he don't, he's on a short roll. Mm-hmm. If Maxi, if they start like really respecting Maxi or even Seth's shot, and all of a sudden it's like okay, he can either go up with it over like a a tagging uh, weak side guy, or it's a swing to like Niang or Danny in the corner or whatever. It'd be nice to see it. Like they just don't do it. It's just so much of this offense is like dribble handoff, dribble handoff, dribble handoff, and they have the shooters to to like get to, it and they have some ball handling. But at, at the ends of games when you're like fighting to do a dribble handoff 24 feet yeah. from the rim as the defense is like right on top of it. There's there's that that's just going to keep creating turnovers and everything. Um well, and the, so it's, I, I would like I would like there to be some some more of that. I, I like the double the double the double big pick and roll where one one of them is popping, one of them is rolling and it'd be nice for it to be Embiid that time. I, even sometimes I, I would like to say it. I'd love to even just have someone answer it. Like has it has yeah. Embiid even just one of the beats asking Embiid like, hey, why don't you do this more? Like have you thought about doing this more? I don't know. Well, and maybe it's just like historically the primary ball handler isn't somebody who can really run a pick and roll. And this year, every since there is really no primary ball handler, right? That's true. Everyone's getting a chance to do it. And there's several players who can accomplish it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I just – I would try. Is, is and, and you see that with Drummond. Drummond didn't play well last night, but you see that with mm-hmm. like when it's Korkmaz and Drummond rolling pick and roll, he's rolling to the rim. When it's Maxi doing it – um shake doing it like the big has to make that decision speaking of that i think maxi has been way way better 
mm-hmm. than last year at diagnosing the right play out of a pick and roll. Yeah. Like, significantly so he he ran some point guard at Kentucky but not a ton now he's really seeing it in a way that is um advanced in a, in a large way like if the weak side tag is soft then that's a lob to Drummond and he's making that play and if it comes in and then Tony Bradley is now expecting the lob then Maxie can get right to the rim and it's just seeing that he can make that play off to the weak side he can make that play easy stuff he can do a little which he did last night the kind of late in the game pull up okay they're playing the drive I'm just gonna do a nice little fade and hit like a 12 footer those are big shots, and, and it's just really like a taking what the defense gives you, and he's gotten so much better at that. And that really, really nice scoop finish past Levine where he finished with his right hand like too far away to make a to take a layup, and it somehow went in. He's got, he's just, there's, he's got a knack for it. Like obviously the floater is very cool, but like when, the stuff he can do going at the rim also, it's just really impressive. Even though he's not an above-the-rim player, he can still find a way to finish. He's been, he's been great. Furkan Korkmaz is, is like... And the shooting is what gets all of the attention, and it should. You know, quick, high release, making shots, uh, total confidence. But I, he is, he is a legitimately good playmaker with the ball in his hands on the perimeter, and he's probably yeah. the best one on the team. Like just in terms of seeing the court, ability to pass, is a good ball handler for somebody who is slow and tall. You know, is a is a comfortable ball handler. I'm just like, last night was wonderful, but I'm not shocked by it at all. No. And wait a minute. His, I got to read. Did you see his Instagram post? Uh, I saw a tweet that he said where he just said, speechless. Yeah. With a picture, with a picture of himself. Of himself. Which is really funny. I saw this one. He was so which, good. Which is really funny. I'm posting a picture of yourself. I, I think I've railed against this before, but the idea of like when you do something really, really good, and then you just go like, oh, I'm so humbled by this. And it's like, but that's yeah. the opposite. It's the opposite of what it is. You're not humbled by it. You're humbled when you fuck up. When you go like over 40, then you're humbled because like, oh, I need to keep putting work in. But when you, you're you speechless at yourself by doing really good, I I love and respect it. Uh, it's so good. He's incredible. Speechless. He's incredible. It's yeah, so I mean, good. the shooting, obviously with the wrist coming back off after missing a game and shooting that well, seven of nine from three, seven, nine of 13 from from the field generally, uh, plus 16, led the team with Embiid. It's it's so fun to watch him know he's going to shoot it. And there's sometimes when he's just like, I'm going up with this. And it's easily the, it gets the most laughs watching this team is when Korkmaz just decides to shoot it. In whatever, it's, he's obviously very good. He's obviously getting significantly underpaid, admit it, Spike. About seven million dollars underpaid. Our, our debate was not about what he deserves. Our debate sure, was about what he would get. Yeah, sure. We're past it, and yeah. I uh, am claiming residual victory just because uh, other GMs are stupid. Doesn't mean I'm not right. Um, the he's he's great. The pump fake on Derek Jones Jr. is obviously an incredible athlete. He recovered so quickly to to contest that shot still, and for Korkmaz to be like uncomfortable as he went up with it, but still hit that shot. He shoots it high. He shoots it quick. It's it. I love, I just love him. And I love how much the team loves him. I love how much Embiid loves him. He's got, he's really improved on defense. He's just consistently like, look, DeMar's very good, but Korkmaz is playing fine defense on him. Like he's really like fine. He's absolutely he's been not playing a weak fine defense all year, all year, yeah. all year. He's been, he's not a weak, he's not a weak spot anymore. There's like, I think if I was another team and I was going to, how do I, who do I attack? I'm attacking Seth and I'm, I think people look at Korkmaz because he's got a stupid name and he occasionally looks goofy. But like, you don't 
you come up empty a lot. Like if you were going to plan your offense around like, like he doesn't have a stupid guy, name. He doesn't have a stupid name. Furkan Korkmaz. Look, it's a it's a silly name to say. There's a lot of syllables, a bunch of K's um, for Americans. For Americans, sure, I love him. I'm look, he's my favorite. He's my one of my favorite people in the world. Like I love him, but it's great. I have you a, know he he loved Horford and Horford loved Korkmaz, and I would love to I would love to if I could ask Al Horford one question, it would be about Furk. He's <laughs> Furk. Okay. Let me ask you this. There's 10 seconds left in the game. You can give the ball to one player on the Sixers on the perimeter. It's Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, or Furkan Korkmaz. To create the final shot, who would you give the ball to? I mean, i give it to Maxi. But really? Over, like over Korkmaz? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of a game, like you've seen him be rattled by ball pressure before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that kind of thing. But look, I love him. I look. He's doing great. He's he's closing games. Played 33 minutes last night in a game that they were trying to win. Like they shouldn't have won these games, and they've won a lot of them because of how good Korkmaz has been. I think Niang also deserves a lot of credit for a couple of those wins. Like it has been, and that's testament to Doc. Like it is a testament to Doc that these guys are playing well with each other. That they are that the that the role players are empowered enough to do, uh, and com- looking confident enough to do a bunch of stuff. Um, it's, and and you see like. Did you watch the video of Doc getting water poured on him in the locker room? I did not. It's great. You should watch it. Um, it's easily the happiest I've seen this team in a long time. Um, and Joel, like, almost concussed him. Like, he, like, really got a lot of his face in, like, dumping a, like, a, uh, like, the kind of, bu- the kind of, like, water bucket you put in the, you put, like, old yearbooks and stuff in your garage. Like, it's a really, like, a huge, like, bin of water that he just like galoshed in his face. Um, and, and I think like, look, he, he makes some baffling decisions. Doc does. He doesn't take accountability himself enough times. Um, but he clearly the past two seasons, aside from Ben Simmons and the Hawk series, people have loved playing for him. This is, there's been only positive, uh, like reports of of and just visually seeing how guys want to play for him and that's and that's all of this being able to like backs against the wall um battle through this stuff and you saw it with like the the somewhat mediocre clippers team that that won a couple games from the warriors when it was like pat beverly and lou williams and stuff um it's cool it's it's i mean and good for him and it's it, part of the reason the vibes are so inexplicably good on this team is is because of doc it's been been coaching for a hundred years. Mike, it, it, it is time for the soft shit award. As usual, I will give you a minute to think about it as you are not Mr. Prepare guy. So um, it, the by nature pet food soft shit award will be coming in a moment after I'm done talking about by nature pet foods, which, you know, you go to the pet food store. If you, if you start searching on the internet for which pet food is the best, you will be reading for a hundred years. It is so frustrating, so maddening. And then you look at it and you're like, this all looks the same, little brown pebbles. But you know what? I've tasted by nature pet food right here on the podcast. And I can tell you it tastes good. Even as a vegan, I had the salmon kind. It is the best pet food that you can give your dog or cat. It is the best for two specific reasons that make a lot of sense. It is better ingredients and it is cooked better. That's all you need to know. Better ingredients, meaning premium proteins. Protein, the protein is always the first thing listed. You know, super probiotics like apple cider vinegar and spinach and blueberries. And then it is cooked better. It's slow cooked so it stays more nutrient rich. So your pet, who is small, 
most pets are small. They metabolize food quicker, so they need it to be more nutrient-rich, so they stay healthy. And the reason the Soft Shit Award is named after By Nature is because if you start giving your pet By Nature pet food, no more soft shit. Nobody likes walking their dog with the bag and they poop and you see it's all in the grass and you're never going to get it with the bag. The great thing is just to grab and go, tie it up and go. You'll do that with By Nature Pet Food. The family-owned, family-operated company has never had a recall in its 40 years of business, never had a recall. Get 20% off your first order with By Nature Pet Food by using promo code 20RTRS at Amazon or Chewy. That is 20RTRS. Buy some By Nature Pet Food. Put it in the cart. Use code 20RTRS. You get 20% off your first order. By Nature Pet Food. By Nature, by Nature. Mike, it's time for the Soft Shit Award. Who gets it? I'm going to give it to the Boston Celtics. Mm. It is no matter how good the Sixers are doing, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be the bigger person and look past other teams that we hate struggling. Failures, and yeah. like a couple games into a season with with a new coach and a bunch of new players, they brought up the old hits with Horford. They're like, the, the vibes couldn't be better in Boston. And then the season starts and Marcus Smart calls a players-only meeting. He says they're not passing. Tatum and Brown don't pass. Everything's ugly. They have lost some bad games. They're like four and six. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying myself. I thought that the Celtics were going to be good this year. I still think they might, but I'm not above giving the Shuff Shit Award to a, a f- second week of the season players only meeting and saying that your teammates don't pass. I think it's great. I think it's great. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. The, uh, the last player that I wanted to mention in particular, I thought Shake Milton was excellent against the Bulls. I think he has been more under control and has been the most under the in the bulls game probably the best defense he's played and the most under control he's been offensively and not a point guard but but operating the offense in a in a not myopic way not just looking at the basket and you has been looking at everyone else has thrown some nice passes off the pick and roll i thought it was shake milton's best game of the year i agree i i mean the sixers haven't lost since shake has come back uh, from his ankle injury, and he's looked just great. Um, he finishes really well in that middle distance, whether it's a shot or a little like teardrop. Uh, he had that little weird contested lefty floater, like as mm-hmm. he was getting as like absorbing contact. That was a very impressive shot to go in. He's got nice touch. You notice that Shake and Korkmaz both like at a dead ball play or when it's like a, just a timeout or whatever. They both try to shoot like lefty threes. Did you ever notice that? They no. both just like when the game it's it's the game oh, when is it's over. No, it's not not pl- not being played. Like they blow the whistle and then someone just like takes a three and they both shoot it with their left hand occasionally. And I think it's be- huh. it's like it's just fun to watch and I it's fun to see Shake pull that out in a on I mean it was a, like a six foot lean. It was an impressive shot. Um, yeah, I think the defense has been excellent. He played you know without Matisse, he he was tasked with covering Levine. And I thought he did a really good job. Like he bit on a pump fake and he slapped his hand after playing really good defense. Like there's, there's things that are going to happen, but he's long. He's like determined to play good defense. So much of it is just like, if you have the body to play good defense and then you just like want to, mm-hmm. then you can do it. And, and he's doing it and he's got a really good sense of like spacing on defense and where to contest and when to just get a hand up. I, I thought he's been great. Um, and I think the other thing, you know, you mentioned he's not a point guard. Obviously we've talked about this before. He's fine as a secondary ball handler. He's fine running the second unit occasionally. He just keeps his dribble. And 
as long as he keeps his dribble, he can keep creating, he can keep finding guys. And he had six assists last night, moved the ball well, didn't hit any outside shots, um, but can occasionally like get you a bucket in a like stop the bleeding type of way. Um, he's good, man. He gets to the line a little bit. He's probably the him and you know, Maxi comes and goes as far as getting to the line, but like he he draws contact probably more than anybody else on the team outside of Embiid. Um he's he's just been good. And after a disappointing season last year, which I kind of think was partly due to the expectations of like what his role is and him being like ill-equipped for it. I think Doc saw him put like 39 points on him with when he was with the Clippers. And then Doc was like, you're going to be like Mr. Offense guy. And you're going to like every time down, you're going to be looking for your shot. And you're going to be like microwave scorer. You're Lou Williams. And he's just not that guy. Like he's just not that guy. He's not fast enough to get to a shot. He's not elite enough as a as an outside shooter off the dribble to get to the spots. He's he's an in-between guy and and he can get to the rim and pick his spots. He can he can hit shots off the catch. He can move the ball. He's just like a very, very helpful player, especially as he's improved his defense. He's a really helpful player. And I'm I'm really happy for him. Like the the amount of guys that this team has gotten late in the first round into the second round is really, really impressive. Obviously, this is not Shake was not a Daryl acquisition, but like over the course of the, the last few years, they've really hit on a bunch of picks and a bunch of uh fringe guys that they all they are benefiting from um because they've had signings and the you know george hill not succeeding those kinds of things it's just like they they've needed these guys and they've delivered i remember when Col- colangelo took Corkmaz and tlc specifically talking about the fact that we thought he maybe took those players to satiate sure. us and and honestly still might have still absolutely might have Corkmaz <laughs> is great uh i liked shake more than landry shamit and that looked weird for a while but i think mm. i think shake is the better player i would i would mm. have i'd rather have shake over shamit i'd rather have Corkmaz over shamit um i'm ha- i'm happy with who we got it's a it's a nice team and it's it it'd be really really just very nice if they could trade ben simmons for the guy because they have the guys around that guy they have a, everybody else is in place and it's a little bit weird it's a little bit trying to draw an inside straight uh, and you feel a little uncomfortable doing it but like every everything is set Every, everything else, like even in the world where like Drummond looks good as a backup center, didn't play great last night, but has his games. And I think B-Ball Paul could step in here and there. And I think if they if they do a Tobias Matisse, George Niang, small ball occasionally, they can make it happen. There, there's just like a lot of options with this team. And if they just need to make the, the biggest trade of the decade uh, to make it happen. And uh, and, uh, and we'll see. Really, really, I have two more things about the game. If okay. you yeah. Seth uh, wasn't great this time. I think they were just determined to not let him beat them. But his confidence is so high right now. He didn't yeah, hit three last wild. night, but he's, he really is starting to take and make very contested shots with very little breathing room. And that's off the dribble. That's with guys in his face. He had that huge shot at the end of the game a couple of games ago. But like just some really, really tough, tough looks that he, he's just gotten really comfortable doing. He's, he's an incredible player. Um, and I think he's gotten empowered and, and to, to take not just wide open shots not just wide open and like step into it shots, but like, Hey, you're one of the best shooters in the league. Shoot often from wherever. Um, and it's nice. And Niang had a bad game, but uh, still managed to have a like bunch big of good shot. Thing, a big shot at the end, got to the line a couple times. I thought his defense was fine uh, in a tough matchup. Um, he had he forced Niang or forced Levine into a step, step back three after he wasn't able to get by him. Just nice. The team, the team, the only, the only thing the team is struggling with is, 
giving up offensive rebounds. And uh, I think B-Ball Paul is a possibility to get around that. I think when Tobias gets back, that'll that'll come down a little bit. Drummond needs to be a better rebounder. Um, and and it, was, it was interesting to see when the Bulls were scoring, they weren't really scoring in the half court. They were scoring in transition. Um, and in transition and off of off of putbacks. Um, and I think that a lot of the transition stuff is just Lonzo being a a, a really good like look ahead, hit ahead type guy. And they, and the Sixers don't have that kind of quick passing decision making guy uh, to make to like establish that. And it'd be nice to have. Um, I wonder if Maxi ends up becoming that. Although it's just it's kind of like you're born with it or not. But uh, those are my concerns: the the giving up the offensive rebounds and and transition defense. To me. The thing last night was when they fell behind in the fourth with like three minutes left on that Zach Levine three, mm-hmm. I would have sworn the game was fucking over, especially when the when the next shot was a Seth Curry mid-ranger that I was sure was going in. And when, when, they, when Levine hit that three and then Seth Curry missed that shot, I mm-hmm. was like, ah, nice effort. This game's fucking done. The yeah. fact that they won that game is bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. It's legitimately bonkers to me. It, it's not something i feel like that we've seen and uh and uh it was it was great um speaking of which you mentioned uh the trade uh we'll make this update brought to you by our friends at kinetic skateboarding who uh will give you free tunes for the life of your new snowboard if you buy a new snowboard from them it's like 50 bucks each time the whole the whole life of your snowboard kineticskateboarding.com fucking love them I got to be honest, Mike. So the the only the only update this week is they started like finding him again. I, I don't I don't have anything to say. I don't want to talk about. <laughs> like, I, do you have anything to say? I I don't really have anything to say on on this thing right now, other than I just want it to be over. Uh, it's very bizarre. It's very it's very impressive that the team can continue to like feel good and look yeah. good and provide good feelings. Um, as this is just all so messy and bad. I, I thought that Kyle Newbeck had a good explanation of it and a good measured take of what we were trying to say last week. I don't know if we accomplished it, but I'll just, re- I'll just read that from Kyle Newbeck at the Philly Voice. Um, NBA teams don't have a right to get minute to minute reports from a player's therapy session or meeting with a mental health professional and don't even need to be made aware of said meetings are taking place if it has no impact on their ability to play. If a player is seeking counsel for something personal, like a death in the family, teams don't have the right to demand basically anything from the player. In this case, though, Simmons has specifically presented mental readiness as the barrier between him and his return and has since failed to share anything about what he's doing to work on the problem, how any work he has done would be implemented while putting him back on the floor, and so on. It is an important point of distinction. The Sixers wanting to be big brother overseeing sensitive mental health meetings would be a very different story, Uh, which I agree with. I agree with entirely. Um, if he's just say, if he's just stiff arming them and saying like fuck off, then it will uh, give more credence to the idea that he's just using this as a reason to keep getting paid. And now the Sixers are like, well, you got to prove it. And it's just it's messy and it's stupid. And I wish a trade made itself available. Um, um, it hasn't so far. I don't know what the eight and two start means for his value or his leverage or whatever the fuck i feel like you could do it every game is 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 tyrese maxi making this pass does that give him leverage going forward like you could do it every single time um but it's just messy and it sucks and i i just wanted to move on the sixers are saying either one of two things are going on here a you are purposely not sharing any update at all and keeping us in the dark or b this is not 
actually what you say it is. And I, it seems fair. I like, I, I just don't think they would be as careless with this as many people are accusing them of being, you know, this is obviously a contentious thing, a player mm-hmm. who, who said he was willing to not get paid for the entire year just to not play for the team. So, yeah. you know, uh, a good question though, we got from, I just thought this was interesting from Robert Schwartz on Twitter, settle a debate, a debate. Does he watch the Sixers games on TV? Uh, I, I would say no. Do you think he checks to see what happened? Like he has to check to see what happened, right? Because because he probably secretly wants them not. I don't even know. I, I have like, no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. It was I have such no a clue. Good question. I thought he has. Obviously, I've worked with him. We don't have to do this again. <laughs> I don't know him very well, but he has just not made himself and his personality ever like readily available to right. people, and that's fine. That's allowed. He's allowed to do that. He's a human being. He can do what he wants. But then people are going to make their own inferences on the kind of person he is, how he's feeling, whatever, what kind of whatever. Um, and I, it's hard to imagine him just like sitting down to watch at, like Kate and Ala like do like a broadcast. It just seems very strange. Oh, it's hard to imagine that. It's hard to imagine yeah. him just like watching it and paying attention and and being invested. Um Maybe, but also it's weird to be like, you're supposed to be on this team. Like, are you rooting against them? I don't know if it's that malicious. Like he probably likes, maybe not everyone on the team, but he probably likes some guys on the team and wants to see them succeed. I can't imagine him rooting against Korkmaz going seven of nine from three. That sounds ridiculous. He's do you think, beating. Do you um, think he cheers for Subers to have like really good pictures on Twitter after the game? Yeah, and they are good. And they do a good yeah, job. Okay. He does I, a great job. Subers still, still posting pictures and, and, <laughs> and other guys on the team still liking it. Yeah. Um, it's very odd. Very strange. But I would lean, I would lean no. I would lean he's doing other stuff. Mike, nobody can speak on the goodness of LL Pavorsky Jewelers better than you, specifically on this pod, because you are the only one on this pod who has purchased an engagement ring from LL Pavorsky. Here's my question for you. When you finally sealed the deal and made love to LL, no, when mm-hmm. you finally sealed the deal and bought the ring, what was he wearing? Oh, I mean, I didn't. I bought the ring remotely. We but looked you, at it together. Didn't you pick it up? Suit. Did you, we, you picked it no, up? He mailed, he mailed it. No. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. That's he mailed it to the home of uh, John Gonzalez and Colleen Wolf because if it was oh, mailed really? here, then Alyssa would yeah. have seen it. Yes. Um, but he was very discreet as always, mm-hmm. um, and he was wearing a suit. Obviously, when we when we saw him, you know, in late 2019. Yep. He he's the whole the total package. <laughs> The total, the total package, and I, I guess I got. I guess the next thing is that I, whatever the wedding ring part of the stuff is, I got to. Yeah, the wedding band. You got to go back to that, which I think is, I think is stupid. I want also a wedding ring. I want Alyssa to propose to me from an mm-hmm. LL ring, um, with a bunch of diamonds on it, and I feel like I deserve that. <laughs> three months I salary. Should, she yes. should put it. She should. It should cost her three months salary easily before taxes. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the first sponsor of the Ricky, sold Mike his and Alyssa's engagement ring, has sold two, over 240 rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners' engagement rings. Just a, uh, and I forgot 
he wanted Ricky t-shirts and I was going to give them to my friend Alex who was up here this weekend so he could drive him down to Lee and I forgot. So I'm going to fucking send him the t-shirts now so he can give them to jewelry buyers. What a fucking <laughs> lunatic. What a lunatic. 707 Walnut, though he can do it remotely, as Mike showed you, mm-hmm. 215-627-2252. The in-store stuff is appointment only. Lee at LLPavorsky.com on Twitter at LLPavorsky. And he charmingly, every time something good happens with the Sixers, takes a screenshot of Twitter and post that as he did with Doc Rivers last night. It was amazing. So L. Alpovorsky Jewelers. Uh, the Magic Johnson of jewelry. The YouTube comment of the week comes from Murphy Brown. I'm curious to see whether you think this is true. Are the new free throw rules affecting Embiid the same way they're affecting Harden and Lillard? So Embiid is down about two free throw attempts a game which is about 18% of his free throws. Do you think it's the new rules? I think a little bit, yeah. I think across the league, they're saying call fewer fouls, call fewer shooting fouls. Um, and Embiid, I think, is occasionally just doing the, like, throw his hands up and anticipate a foul call, especially in the Detroit game. He did that a bunch, and it didn't look good, where he was just, like, expecting to get bailed out left and right. Mm-hmm. Um and I think in the Chicago game, aside from the turnovers, he decided to be like, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to do what I want to do um, and not and not play to the refs. It felt like he was playing to score the basketball rather than just like do some of that, you know, some Embiid I don't think is as, is as much of a grifter as Harden and uh, and Trey Young, which they're allowed to be. They, that was the rules of the game. You try to you try to get any advantage you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Embiid did it to that extent quite so much. Although he was really, he was, especially on the rip throughs, he was really seeking out those arms. But now I think he, he's capable of, just as those guys are, capable of scoring in other ways. It's just like tailoring your success to it. But I do think it's affecting him for sure. I'm only going to take Shane's non-basketball question, which is the jigsaw, because the basketball question was undoing one major decision from the team. And I feel like we've had that question a bunch of times. Shane says, longtime listener of the pod, by the way, uh, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Longtime listener of the pod. I listen to a lot of different podcasts from work as I have a long commute each day. You guys are best in class. Perfect mix of basketball humor and an overall good time. In fact, if you want a reasonable basketball podcast, not too entertaining. No, he didn't say mm. that. The he gives a jigsaw. I thought it was particularly good. I love listener submitted jigsaws, especially when they're done well. Mike, here you go. Four times a year, here are the two choices. Four times a year, you will suddenly have the horrible urge to immediately rush to the bathroom to unload an unholy amount of diarrhea from your bowels. Think bathroom scene in Dumb and Dumber. This will always happen in a stressful social situation. Think job interview, meeting girlfriend's parents for the first time, first date, back to school night. It will never happen when you're just at home doing nothing. For instance, I was trick-or-treating with my kids with a good friend. While we were out, I literally felt like I was going to crap my pants. I duck-walked to his house and christened his new, newly remodeled toilet with a dust. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course, there was no toilet paper. I didn't read all of this. Of course, there was no toilet paper, so I had to shimmy over to the sink to find some and discovered that I – this is a horrible email. Anyway – that is the first thing. I can't even finish it. That is the first thing. Happens four times a year. Or 
four times a year, you will randomly find a used Band-Aid hidden somewhere in your food. Mm. You could be biting into a, gen- a juicy piece of General Chow's chicken or munching on a cheesesteak, and you'll discover you're chewing on a used Band-Aid and have to peel it from your mouth. Which one? Uh, look, long-time listeners <laughs> of this podcast will know All right. the first option is basically the way I live. It is basically yeah. par for the course. Four times a year sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, we got stomach issues over here. Band-Aid tough. I wouldn't like be so repulsed by it that I would like never eat again, mm-hmm. but because the first one is generally the way I live, I'll take that and, and go about my, my life. You know, he says, of course there was no toilet paper. So I had to shimmy over to the sink and find some and discovered that I kind of splattered everywhere. Sure. So, so I had to take another 15 minutes cleaning up all the while. My 15 friend, minutes is a long, long time to clean up. I've, I've never splattered in that. I, I feel like I've never splattered. I feel like there's never been like, that's, that's right. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Yeah. That seems like that. That seems like someone who isn't used to it and I'm used to it. So I, you get, you get better with experience at targeting wherever you got a target. Mike, this came from Adam and it points to an issue I was dealing with earlier in the week. I received a message. All right. So on the last pod, we banned uh, a gentleman named Tyler who was on Jeopardy mm-hmm. and and referenced the lottery parties and did not say the name. Didn't even we, say Sixers fans gathered. Right. So we banned him and almost to... agreement, he is banned. All I'll say is I received a petition on his behalf from a family member of his, a very serious petition. You know, banning is not for people like Tyler. It's Mm -hmm. for people like your father and Brian Windhorst, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Sure, makes sense. We received an email from Adam. Adam says- He also did say that he was watching the live stream and stopped watching it because- he accepted his banning. Now, by the way, banning doesn't mean you can't listen to the podcast. Yeah. In my mind. Banning just means you're not going to be on it. But he's never been on it anyway. So it's not like that's yeah. too much of an issue. Well, like if, it's, if your dad wants to listen to the podcast, he's welcome to keep listening. Yeah. We got a, a tweet from an Aussie uh, Twitter user saying, please tell Tyler he can still listen to the pod. Good. good, good that's good. what I, I, as this family member was begging for his, his <laughs> release from the ban, I just wanted to say like, can you think about this for a second as what are we actually like sure. banning him from? Anyway, we get an email from Adam. He says, I'm writing in support of your most recent lifetime ban awarded to the Jeopardy contestant who failed to say the name despite referencing the lottery party he attended with his father. That display of loser energy undoubtedly yeah. ended his Jeopardy career. I often hand out lifetime bans in my personal and professional life, usually to various restaurants for messing up food orders. But after giving it some thought, I 100% just support your decision to give this guy a ban. Real fans rep the Sixers and the Ricky proudly. Earlier today, I was at the gym and I saw a guy in a Sixers hat. This was a rarity to see in the wilds of Northern Jersey where I live and work. We started chatting about the Sixers and in less than two minutes, This total stranger referred to a Sixers podcast he listened to called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez. We proceeded to immediately discuss the direct correlation between B-Ball Paul's minutes per game and the Sixers' odds of winning a championship. Any casual fan can talk about the Simmons situation, but only real fans can point out the guys at the gym with smoker's arms. I agree. 
Tyler yeah. stays banned. I don't know. I'm willing to I'm I'm willing to have leniency on Tyler. He's a, he's he's on national TV. He's excited. He's got other things on his mind. You get I'm sure you get like such quick bursts to have the banter with the host. And uh, look, he, did he make a mistake? Absolutely. But I'm I'm a little bit more I'm 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 open to leniency for sure. Hmm. I am not open to leniency. Though I will I could accept bribes. I don't know. One more. It's very and strange. I, look, look. One other thing. I yeah. like. I get other people asking other people if they listen to the podcast when they see yeah. Sixers stuff in the wild. I think cool. I think normal. When I see someone, I saw at a coffee shop right by me, this place I moved. There's a Sixers uh, bumper sticker, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's very curious, obviously." And and I was looking, and I went into the coffee shop to see if anyone who it could have been. And I had it like generally pegged of who it was just by like athleisure um, and vibe. And uh, I didn't say anything. And even if I did, what would I say? Like, I actually do listen to, do listen to my podcast. Like it's a weird <laughs> thing. It's just not a thing that you can say It's an uncomfortable thing. So, but I, I, I honestly like other people doing it cool. And I, I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you, if anyone meets me, I'm not going to ask anyone if they listen to my podcast, but if no. anyone meets me and, and you realize that it's me, you have to let me know. Yeah. Because I'm not going to ask. No. Final one comes from Jake. Hey, guys, question for the pod. I saw a few tweets of people saying that George Yang is the new Dario. Other than seeming like a cool guy and having some big moments in the past few games, I didn't really see it. That was until I saw, I thought I saw him clumpy flump. Can mm. you please confirm if there was, in fact, any clumpy flumping? Absolutely. I, I think it's different when it's Dario because he just posted up more in that mm-hmm. that time of his career, and and Niang doesn't really do it. Um, but there is certainly a similar level of power forward, heavy footed, like slow in like a in like a sort of like almost like a, who's what's the fee five fum giant? Is that a like Jack and the Beanstalk. Green Giant? Is it Jack and the Beanstalk? I think it's Jack and the Beanstalk. Is there a Green um, Giant? And it, there's definitely like a, you could see as they're moving through space, like some, you know, maybe whatever tiny villagers below and some sort of uh, fairy tale uh-huh. getting out of the way. Um, so I, I hear it, but I think because of the lot, la- it's, it's like an evolution of it. But I think there's definitely a lot of similarities down to like, you know, Dario got fired up like occasionally. Um, and, and Niang seems to be more permanently fired up, but I think the vibe around the team is still similar. I think, I think Dario, like Korkmaz is because of just the, they're both from, you know, Eastern Europe and, uh, have like sort of like a, a adorably confused demeanor all the time. Um, and, and Niang, I think is, you know, he was born in Massachusetts, so he has more, uh, just general Americanness to him, but, uh, I like how pumped up he is and I like him coming off the bench and, and being fired up and firing up his teammates. I just he honestly really like him a lot. He seems fucking thrilled he doesn't live in Utah anymore. Yeah. No offense sure. to Utah. You know? And it seems like, and really just seems like he was tired of that offense because like there's yeah. no reason why he didn't get paid more money. And there's no reason why he wouldn't stay. Like they replaced him with Eric Pascal, who's good and like could be better and is probably more athletic and has more elevation stuff to him. But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why Niang wasn't allowed to do more in Utah because he is capable of of doing it. And I think he, he seems to really 
really like the free flowing nature of of Doc's offense, um, which he said he wanted. That's the reason he came to play for him. Well, we got a back to back this week. Monday night is Monday night the Knicks, and then Tuesday is the Bucks. Is that the way I remember it? I know Tuesday is the Bucks. I think both Monday's at home, the- and then a long and then a long road trip. I, w- I will say I'm happy that with all these guys getting getting hurt uh, and going down with COVID, that uh, finally Aaron Henry and Jaden Springer were recalled. Um, because you need bodies and they don't really have them right now. Uh, yeah. Knicks on Monday, Bucks on Tuesday, Raptors yeah. on Thursday. All so home. we will, we will talk to you Tuesday night after the Bucks game. Did Hopefully that's after game. eight in a row. That would be nice. Well. All right, you. we will talk to you uh, later you this week. Are you down with TTP? Yeah. Then I won't you fuck know. with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I, won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. you. If you don't fuck with me. Then I, 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 I,